right. Uh, so we are joined today uh, by a very special guest, a prolific writer, creative individual, fun to talk to, uh, Anders Fager. How, how was that? That was great. Thank you. Excellent. You're uh, You got my name right. It's, and that's it, folks. That's, yeah. that's my, my victory for today. Um, it turns into Fager in, in French, which is kind of sounds like some weird cheese. I, I I would I would order it. I think that's okay. a, that would be a good cheese to get. Uh, <laughs> so next time I'm at the grocery store, um, but yeah, you you have a plethora of books and you've been writing for quite some time, and you even teach writing. Yeah. Um, so it's really interesting, kind of interviewing someone who, well, at least from my perspective, it sounds like you've done a lot in just kind of the the non TTRPG hobby, just with with books, short stories. Um, for goddess uh, is is really awesome um, in Swedish, but going to be translated in English, yes, soon. It is translated, but we haven't uh, since the plague happened. We haven't quite uh, gotten around to when it should be published. Mm. So we had uh, we sat uh, we sat in the fall with the translation, and it turned out really brilliant. It's it's like some kind of early Clive Barkerish gothic opera thing. It's really all the all the uh, meat hooks and uh, black leather coats you, you ever wanted from cult. Yeah, basically like a Saturday night uh, for, for some people. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I got to read some of it, uh, the, the little intro demo copy that, that you sent, uh, which was amazing. Started off really strong. Uh, but for people who, uh, especially my, my fellow English speakers, why should they go out and buy or pre-order this book right now? Uh, they should buy for the love of goddess because it's um, it's absolutely brilliant and it's uh, a very sort of trippy take on the cult universe. It's very it's very technical, very uh, very sort of baroque or or, or almost uh, you know like the naked lunch or something. Mm-hmm. But it has that quality uh, and it's also quite a lot of homage to Barker, which. Mm-hmm felt nice to do uh, since he was one of the people who sort of really inspired me to write the way I do, though I don't write like him. He's the way he um, he sort of uh, threw horror out in the streets and uh, brought a lot of sex and gore in, in a very sort of clever way. Mm-hmm. So I was very inspired by him. So it was nice to do something that is sort of, here, here's my roots. Yeah. And so, you know, you, you say that, uh, you know, kind of like Clive Barker, but obviously your, your own unique style to it. And a lot of it is kind of this horror associated with, with sex and, and, and passion. Uh, but how would you describe your personal signature um, as you write that kind of distinguishes yourself from uh, your predecessors? Uh, I've, I've said the... Uh... I've done a lot of work in, in uh, Lovecraft's universe, and I've, I've, usually my, my punchline there is, what would happen if James Elroy got around to write like write a Lovecraft story? Mm-hmm. It's sort of very modern prose, very kitchen sink realistic, but Cthulhu is still there, and the deep ones and all that. And, and it takes place in Sweden, sort of, you know, crime land Sweden, 
you all know from the, all these uh, crime novels you, you read. So it's uh, that, that is sort of my kitchen sink horror in Sweden. There will be one short story out this fall on uh, the book is called Vanakort. Uh, it's a it's a it's a collection of short stories from all over the world. Uh, there's an Italian guy named Mussolini, I think, in it. And, very, very, yeah. uh, and, and, and it's a Finnish friend of mine, and there's people from all over the globe, actually. Wow, that that sounds interesting. Is it yeah. in? It, will it be in Swedish or possibly translated into? No, English it's, later? it will be out. It will be out in English. It, it's uh, uh, a publisher in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. Oh, nice. I've been so there. that is sort of uh, welcome to the rest of the world horror. <laughs> <laughs> Which is something that, especially like in, in nowadays, finding horror in other countries and how they approach it has been amazing because there, there's so much out there. Um, and you've been writing horror in Sweden for some time. So what do you think is kind of the, if there is any, the unique distinction of like Sweden's footprint on, on horror? Uh, I think I think we're a bit like the Brits to you Americans. We're very good at stealing stuff from you and selling it back to you. And you say, "Oh, we've never seen this before." <laughs> Not like you know, like like uh, Beatles and the Stones and the Zeppelin did with the blues. They sort of came back with it and said, "You never heard this before." <laughs> Perfect. So we're we're, uh, we're, uh, we're cultural mongrels. We 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 uh, we're very good at imitating and sort of. Uh, Selling you guys Minecraft, and you—you you never thought you wanted that. No, and it's, uh, it's, it's the same with the comp uh, with the uh, a lot of computer games and the uh, music industry, and uh, and also of course uh, all these crime novels and the role-playing games. We sort of we sort of steal stuff and sell it back to people. <laughs> That's what we're good at. I mean, we're we're sort of we're sort of we would think we're very Anglo-Saxon, but we aren't. Which of course makes us a bit exotic. I think we are, together with South Korea, the largest exporter of pop culture per capita. Wow. Uh, so that's sort of a weird little country. <laughs> I know. I mean, for for me, who who loves tabletop role playing games, and finding out like almost every good one that I that I have in love comes from Sweden, uh, between Helmgast and Freelagen and, and Riot Minds. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of great companies, a lot of great innovators uh, mm -hmm. there. And Tales from the Loop, not, not yes. the least, which is, uh, which is not a retro thing. It's, it's a new thing that was uh, immensely successful. Oh, yeah. Uh, let me... Uh, it's the blue one. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I like how you can find my own books better than I can. <laughs> Here it is, people. Simon Stolenhog's uh, setting, the uh, uh, Tales from the Loop. Yes, great stuff. And uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, cultural yeah. phenomena. I mean, between the art, the writing, uh, and the TV series that came out, um, it just grew in ways that I don't think anyone really expected. No, and he's just a, he's a one man army. He live like he lives like seventy five meters from me. Oh, he does. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's insane, actually. He's uh, yeah. We can sort of lean out of our windows and wave to each other. Oh, okay. Wave, wave to him for me, real quick. Just be uh, like, hey, hey, Mitchell says, 
<laughs> Miss Butter says hello. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> and you wrote for uh, Tales from the Lo from the Loop, right? Yeah, I've written for Tales from the Loop. I've written for uh, I've written a, a story there called Mummies in the Mist, mm -hmm. which were got very very nice reviews because I think I uh, I wasn't. Uh, I think I think I went a bit darker than the other ones. Like uh, uh, your other stories, just in general, or just the other stories in Tales the, from the, the Loop? The, 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 compared to the other Tales from the Loop stories, they're a bit more like uh, Let's Play uh, Stranger Things. Yeah. Uh, but this, uh, I, th I think, when I when I read it, when I read it afterwards, I realized that okay, this this is a much darker, scarier story. But it, it turned out very nice, and it's sort of a take on a childhood thing that happened when I when I went to school. Oh, I mean, you have to, if it's okay with you, please elaborate. All right, so uh, uh, we'll talk, perhaps we'll talk about the wrong game, but we can take that one briefly. When uh, <laughs> 70s Sweden was very bleak, and we were sort of one, we had one public TV channel, and it was black and white. And all of a sudden, they started to show, uh, once a week, they show these old, you know, 30s horror movies, American ones, The Werewolf, Bela Lugosi's Dracula, and all these. And yeah. people started to see werewolves in the countryside. <laughs> and in the suburb where I lived, we had the mummy, who, who, who sort of went on rampages in the night. Oh, that must have been terrifying. Yeah, I was like, 12 or 11, I was just, <laughs> that was scary. That was scary. And we also got, in the, in the same period, uh, we had a comic, um, what do you say, a, a comic book or comic magazine publisher who mm -hmm. brought in a lot of these, you know, black and white, um, what they're called, you know, with Vampirella and the Crypt Keeper, all these sort of short stories. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of like anthology uh, yeah. TV shows. Tales from the Crypt kind of comics and Dracula and uh, so yeah that was sort of that was how the, how the way down horror lane started for me. Ooh. How how is it kind of uh, since you've been able to kind of jump between Helmcast and and, and Fudilag and um, how how do you approach writing for cults and then going back or, or going forward to writing Tales from the Loop? Uh, it's sort of. Uh, Every new system you sit down to work with, you have to sort of get your head around the idea. And uh, it's very different because uh, I wrote a compilation of short stories for Mutant Year Zero. Mm -hmm. And uh, Mutant Year Zero is just so, so, I, oh, we have mutated pigs. Yeah, okay, let's go. It's, yeah. it's dirt <laughs> simple. It was just um, like I've always been there, been there all the time. But uh, Cult took a bit of thinking because Cult, and that comes to sandwich uh, anthology. Cult is sort of, in a way, anything you want from a 90s horror show thrown mm. into a big heap. And then you have the Sisters of Mercy as a soundtrack and the cure and everybody's wearing leather coats. And yeah. it's all like, you know, oh, very, very 90s. Yeah. So, so that was hard to figure out what in this mess of things should I work with? And uh, it's kind of fun because uh, the uh, the driver, the, the scenario is very sort of a staged thing. Mm -hmm. 
that can be happen. It can literally happen in any role-playing game with a terror touch to it. You can do it in whatever you like. But uh, the the novel is very much. I wanted to get away from Hellraiser. I wanted to get away from you know investigators and and people going mad. So I thought, what is the highest stakes? Let's let's do a story about the gods because mm-hmm. there are gods in it. So, so the, the people in the book are Tifereth, uh, which is actually the sort of goddess of communication or something like that. She's one of the, the, the major players in the whole thing. Yeah. Spider in the middle of the web. And uh, then it's the Tiffany Redder character, which is her sort of prime minion. Her, her I think it's called Lictor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They sort of they they're sort of demigodish live forever meetooks everywhere kind of, and they have a fight over a boy they both both love or they want to get his attention. That's more <laughs> or less, and, and that boy might be Leonardo DiCaprio, or Brad Pitt, or someone like that. Oh, that's let, let's get them on the phone and. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want that in anthology uh, movie. I would, I would yeah. love to see that. <laughs> uh, it would be, be a great movie. Um, yeah, so, so it was fun. I sort of, so sort of find the high stakes in it instead mm-hmm. of sort in because often when you write for a role playing game, there is this big setting with gods and there's a tremendous a long backstory and there's been empires here and empires there and dark powers and. And in the end, you sit there, hmm, shall we open this door? Yeah. It's very sort of, that's, that's a problem with the role-playing game, the perspective. Uh, and, and writing a book about the role-playing game experience of cult. Ah, was sounds more, tough, yeah. It is, because it, it's, it, it is another media, of course. Mm-hmm. It's when you transfer uh, computer games to, to books or computer games to... to comics or whatever it sort of needs to be twerking because because uh, in the game you have a story without the main character yeah which is sort of how role-playing games work it's so, just yeah. tough i mean how how because you you have been writing for a while and how how do you how was it when you first kind of moved over to the tabletop writing experience and kind of how did you have to change your perspective when trying to write for that? I wrote tons of things when I was a kid and I, and I played uh, a local version of uh, basic role playing, which was mm-hmm. called, uh, it was sort of one of these things Riot Minds do these days. But so, so the sort of the idea to write scenarios wasn't that far-fetched. But since I had improved a lot as a writer since then, it was sort of, uh, the, the trick was to figure out, okay, how do I apply what I know today yeah. to what I knew when I was 17? Which was kind of an interesting... Interesting, yeah. An interesting transfer or, tra- or sort of, yeah, you understand what I mean? Yeah, and you, of course, teach writing. Um, yeah. Do you teach exclusively just, uh, I, I guess, book writing, or do you also kind of teach TTRPG writing as well? I haven't, I haven't, I haven't uh, teached for sort of games properly, but mm-hmm. but a lot of the people who have been students of mine have sort of this open wall into the game environment. Mm-hmm. 
some work for, for Paradox, uh, the computer game uh, company, and, and some work for Fria Ligam. For, so there's this sort of a bleed in between there. Yeah. Uh, and, and some work for the film industry and for, for TV. So, so it's the media, this is, even though the main focus of my, my classes is to, to write books, the, uh, you, have, you, you can apply the skill to other disciplines, but you have to sort of understand what changes. Yeah. And, and what does change? Uh, for instance, in a role-playing game, you don't have a main character. Yeah. Which is, which is the obvious thing, of course. Mm -hmm. So you haven't got a clue what they will do, actually. <laughs> it's just kind of like... Uh... <laughs> it's a bit like herding cats. You have to convince them to sort of move in the right direction. And that is very simple if they're in a dungeon complex because there's a limited number of doors to yeah. open. But if they're in downtown Arkham and, okay, what do we do now? There's a million or millions of possibilities. And what's kind of one, like, uh, if you could uh, wrap out all your experience in writing uh, and kind of boil it down to the, the greatest tip that you can provide to any aspiring writer, especially in horror, what would it be? If you talk about horror or, or the games in general, or... Uh, just horror, like uh, horror books uh, specifically. I think I think an important thing is to don't. It's not a joke. Mm -hmm. It will be a joke anyway, eventually, because that is how people, the human mind works. We have turned alien into a, a plushie. Yeah, yeah, plushie. And that, is how, and that is how we handle horror. Mm -hmm. The human mind wants to sort of insult and, and bring it down to a bearable level. We haven't done that with Humphrey Bogart because he's not scary. He's still an icon. Yeah. But, uh, so, but uh, to, to make the, the scary part of the, the thing you write existent, scary, so you, you don't have to joke about it. Be dead serious. Never blink into the camera, camera in your life. <laughs> all, all this very modern irony that, oh, this was a joke from Star Trek. Did you get it? <laughs> just just do your utmost to scare people silly. And I think, and love your characters. Mm -hmm. Be serious about it because uh, seriousness and honesty does pay off. Yeah. Have you seen any changes in horror over the years? Um kind of the new material and what people are afraid of now? Uh, yeah, it changes constantly because uh, we are afraid of different things. Mm -hmm. And horror constantly reflects society. Uh, and uh, say when Cult came out in the 90s, uh, the biggest scare around was uh, HIV. Mm -hmm. That was a big play. You can die from having sex. You still can, but it's sort of bearable. And what, what is the big thing today? Now we're in a big sort of... Yeah, <laughs> if you started writing something today, it wouldn't be relevant in six weeks. Uh, yeah. that, that's a tricky thing about this period. Uh, we have the, the COVID-19 uh, uh, pandemic. We have, we have all these things 
from a European perspective, both the British and the Americans have gone mad. Yeah, uh, yeah, Americans from, are done. It's, it's so crazy our, here. <laughs> from, from a European standpoint, it's like our parents has gone crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is just sort of a very, very weird... Uh, and, and we have no idea where this will land. Mm-hmm. So writing horror now, ah, let's go back to some haunted house because that's a safe card. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely yeah, who cares, safer. Yeah, who cares about zombies at the moment or vampires? So, so um, I don't know really what's, what, what the question might be. What was scary two years ago? Yeah, and, and uh, I mean, we have totally phased out the nuclear war. Uh, we have, we are, we're afraid of genetic manipulation, all these, what's it, what do you call it, DNA stuff? What, yeah, what, splicing and, yeah. yeah. Where does that lead? Artificial intelligence, it, it might already be there. Um, You're talking the one now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or it's sitting here listening to us and, yeah. It's so just crazy. And, and that is, that is kind of, I think, I think, uh, we, that we, we're, we're in a we're in a very trend uh, sort of transitive period that are okay we had a period from 9-11 to sort of the end of isis mm-hmm. where we know oh there was this scary thing going on over there but after that what's what's yeah. trying to cope with the internet which is of course a horror yeah, it's everywhere, information going, places you don't want it to go, your stuff being sold to people yeah, you don't and, know. And, and what does all this means with all the and stuff, so, mm-hmm. which kind of nicely brings us back to cult, that there's another thing I've written for them, uh, which is called Ghost Follower at the moment. I don't even know if that is a proper American or English term, but it's kind of these... We've heard it, yeah. You can buy these ghost followers for Instagram. You can buy it. I can have a thousand ghost followers, please. And they like yeah. it. You've done them. And uh, I've thought about, I've, I've thought about it. I'm, I'm not that fond of nostalgia, so I wanted to do a, a modern uh, cult story, today cult story. And it's about uh, an advertising company who sort of sells their souls for all these followers. Uh, and for, for an Instagram betting site. Yeah. So it was, uh, it, it got really ugly in a good way. And it was really nice to do it with sort of a contemporary theme instead of trying to be nostalgic and go back and see what's left of Hellraiser. Yeah, and I think that's very important for, for writers, uh, especially in horror and for a... Uh, an intellectual property has kind of been around for uh, you know a while is figuring out what what is horror now you know I love Hellraiser and the thing and, and lots of the the movies back when but there are some amazing movies and media that's coming out right now that kind of uh, has a unique take to horror I mean Jordan Peele with um, with his movies have been a very eye-opening perspective for horror um, and definitely love kind of watching everyone's interpretation of, of what is horror right now and that ghost followers thing that sounds creepy yeah I, I love I love this kind of but uh, when because the problem is that the writers are old and mm-hmm. uh, to, to ask someone in his 50s to say uh, can you please go and try to understand what these teens are doing on Skypogram or, or whatever mm-hmm. they're on we don't even know what platform they're using 
I have no idea what my son, who is 20, is on when he talks to his friends. <laughs> it's he, certainly not MySpace. I think that's no, what's no, still out. He, he thinks Messenger, that's where you store senile people. Um, <laughs> so so I, I haven't even figured that out. And for me to write in that setting, it takes some doing. And eventually I will come up with, ah, let's do Stranger Things before the cell phones. Yeah. When my life was easier. (laughs) (laughs) And today, like, uh, uh, everyone who's young uh, is so integrated into technology. Um, There was a time when you were, where anyone was uh, several feet away from any sort of signaling um, uh, device. And now, uh, sitting here in my apartment, I'm probably a couple of meters from about 100 things that are giving off signals uh, and communicating right, yes. all over the world. Yeah, and, and we talked about this, I talked with my wife about this yesterday. I'm, I'm monitoring five different uh, electronic communications channels sort of on an hour, hourly basis. And that's mm-hmm. really, isn't it? But I like, but you talked about this modern horror movies. I like this uh, Unfriended, mm-hmm. which is one long Skype call. I, it, it's sort of, it's, 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 it's not uh, the end of the world or the, the, the most fantastic movie ever made, but mm-hmm. it's really good because it's so true to the idea that, okay, this is a messenger or sort of Skype conversation. Yeah. People are coming and going and dying. And there's, sorry, there's a ghost on Skype literally and it works in a brilliant way and you sit there and think when will they ever leave this screen mode and they they don't and and you stare at that screen for 90 minutes or something like that and it worked yeah i mean be just because of the pandemic most of my communications and i think this is probably the same for everyone else most of our communications with other human beings is via a screen yeah of course and and i had to I had to switch to teach over Zoom. Mm-hmm. People joke about that. In two, in, in in a week, we did twenty years of, of technical sort of. How does this really work? Do I have to learn it now? So it was great. And and um, my wife, who works at the um, uh, School of Performing Arts in Stockholm, they had to have their shoot them the, their uh, students' films without people being there. So they had to figure out how to be in different rooms. Oof. That's tough. That was tough. We were like, okay, now the light people people will show up. The light person will show up. And, yeah. And do oh, his man. thing. You leave the room, please. <laughs> <laughs> that that sounds crazy. <laughs> that was crazy, but they they and, and they you know all restrictions forces people to be innovative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just the media. You you suddenly you have stories that happen on Zoom because you're forced to work with Zoom instead of asking someone in my age yeah. who didn't quite get Zoom. For... So yeah, that has been a great development, actually. Yeah, it's kind of forced everyone to kind of um, update themselves on uh, communication uh, via the web. Yeah, and especially sort of, I'm born in the 60s, and... Uh, uh, we had to when we, we had we had to update the, those kind of online behaviors. Mm. I wasn't that fossilized before, but <laughs> I think we have to talk about the scenario for the um, Kickstarter that's going on right now. Uh, Hell is other people. First off, very evocative name title for oh. the scenario. Oh. Uh, but you can give us a synopsis and what 
you think this is bringing to the table? Uh, the story, uh, Hell is for the People, is based on a play called No Exit by uh, Sartre, actually, the French philosopher, which is, of course, terribly pretentious and very cold. The, the notion is that uh, everybody winds up in his private hell with two or three people which are sort of optimized to, to make your life miserable. This was the idea that if you, you if you uh, with three people being sort of asked to join in for a ride in a limousine and they're yeah they're designed to wind each other up uh, and there's um, there's one of them has been stalking one of the other one of the two of the other have a secret affair there's actually the one of the are is uh, bishop and his uh, strange daughter who is sort of modeled on Sasha Gray or someone like that. Uh, and we have a very complicated story there, but they and there's an, and then there's a driver who sort of leads the conversation onto new interesting topics. And how about this? And what do you feel about that? And in the end, one of them has to get out of the car. Who has to get out of the car? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we're super excited to to see this um, this story. Hell is other people in this very unique uh, setting because you know most TTRPG scenarios you're moving from place to place, but it sounds like the majority of it happens just within this limousine. No, it's all it's all taking place inside a car uh, with some props and a monster in the back, sort of in the uh, trunk. I think I think when you've done stuff for a pro, for a while, you start you start to in order to keep yourself amused and perhaps relevant and challenged, mm -hmm. you try to think, okay, how can I do this some other way? Um, it's not necessarily that oh I have to be super creative and do everything backwards, but if you try deliberately to look at things from different angles. You might you might just find something that is puts a new perspective on it. Well, we are very excited to to see it when it finally comes out, and of course, uh, all this information, uh, Cult Divinity Lost Kickstart scenario, as well as uh, Andres Fager's uh, website, will be right down below for people to click on on YouTube. Yeah. We totally look forward to the book coming out in English uh, soon. Um, but do you have any last parting final words? Any final words? Um, <laughs> <laughs> my final, no, my final words. <laughs> yes. um, um, don't hold your breath, but eventually we will get the Lovecraftian <gasps> stuff out in English and it will be worth waiting for because it will uh, drag Lovecraft screaming into the twenty first century to his surprise and disgust <laughs> i held my breath as long as i could that is super exciting like when, when what, what that sounds awesome yeah this is great stuff and i hope i uh, yeah thanks for your interest in in the stuff we do and it was great talking to you guys yeah, you as well. And once again, people just down below, please support. Uh, and we would love to talk to you some other time. We definitely look forward to seeing more of your work out there. Okay. Thank All you right. very much and have a nice evening. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye, America. <laughs>